Welcome to all visitors from across the universe. You are listening to the Across the Universe podcast. My name is Nick. I am from India and I will be your host for today's episode. With me as always are my fellow chicks with accents. Geta who's from Estonia and blogs at Metal Ray. Hi Geta. Tere. And Sofia who's from Portugal and blogs at Returning Videotapes. Hi Sofia. We are recording this episode on November 1st which means two things. First that this year is finally almost over and yes it's November. This is indeed our annual November episode but first we will all talk about our interesting movie/tv shows of the fortnight. We'll be right back with that after a trailer from a fellow Lamp Podcasting Network show. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamp Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Do you like movie podcasts hosted by inebriated people? That's Kai with the cracking voice and Heather's touched by evil. One thinks he's Spider-Man, the other is a ninja. It's the Man I Love Film Podcast, it's the MILFcast. Hey everybody, I'm Kai. And I'm Heather. And we are the hosts of MILFcast, the Man I Love Films podcast, the unofficial official podcast of manilovefilms.com. This is the podcast where we like to talk about what we've been watching, talk about movies, but mainly we just like to drink, be silly, and play a whole bunch of games. So we think every other week you should grab a drink, snuggle up, and let us make sweet love to your ears. Otherwise, we'll make sweet love to your couch. So come and find us on iTunes. Just search for MILFcast. Interesting movie or TV show of the fortnight is our regular feature in which we talk about any movie or TV show we've watched since our last episode, which we want to discuss whether for good reasons or bad reasons or both. Sophia, let's start with you today. Oh, awesome. Okay. So uh, last episode, I plugged The Alienist, but I hadn't started to watch the second season and now I'm almost done. So... that's my interesting show um yeah. and i'm yeah the season is at least as good as the first one i think it might even be better or at least just easier to digest because i think there's a lot there's a bit more um drama outside the crime that they're trying to solve so that makes it interesting and i think all the characters just kind of matured a little and uh they've become a lot more rich in terms of at least two of them so this season they are trying to discover a crime that has to do with missing babies um uh, that apparently have been killed and there's this hospital uh maternity hospital involved and the thing is that the thing that's great about the season is that it focuses mainly on Sarah because she's the one who now has a detective agency. So that's really that's really cool because obviously a lot of um little like conflicts, little and big conflicts arise from her being a woman in that time having a detective agency and trying to get in to places where she shouldn't and just basically, you know. So that makes for very interesting moments and Sarah's character is a very strong like um very determined woman is this was the played by Dakota Johnson yeah yeah she's a, yeah played by which i you know i it's so nice to see her in something that is quite big you know mm-hmm. and she has like a really op- great opportunity to shine in a full-fledged role uh because i feel like before this most of us just remember her from war of the worlds 
yeah. as a little girl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's still pretty much the image of Dakota Johnson in my mind. But here she has, like, she is the center character in the second season, and she is great at it. She's really yeah. good. Um, and all, I think that I was thinking about this because I haven't finished the second season yet. I, I must be, like, a couple of episodes uh, the, before the finale. But I was thinking, and it, this show... For me, it's so interesting because of the three main characters. There's there's her, which I already talked about. She's the main character here, and she's a woman. So that so, there's just she's really good there. She's really determined, and uh, there's a fragility to her that you you're just getting to know her a lot more in this season. But then all of them, the trio, they're outcasts. Obviously, Laszlo is an alienist. She was the the main one, Daniel Brühl, in the first season and um the main character and he's an outcast because he's an alienist and he's also not he's kind of he has trauma he has also his own issues and then uh john played by um luke evans in this season he's always also shining a bit more because obviously he's in love with sarah but he's uh engaged to marry this woman uh and his thing is that even though he's all dashing and whatever he's just an illustrator for the new york times so he doesn't get paid a lot so he's a bit he's not low class but he's definitely lower than his fiance for example or even sarah apparently so that's also been something his character is facing in this season and it's it's very interesting i really think the season is almost it could almost say that it's better because it has all this richness around, you know, surrounding the crimes and really um, shining, helping the characters grow a bit more. I think. Okay. Yeah, I haven't. I still haven't started it. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, I <laughs> know it's not. It's not easy because it's quite heavy. <laughs> But um, but it is very good. I, I'm not. Sh- it seems to be in the top at Netflix, but then pretty much everything goes to the top of Netflix. Like so everything new that comes out is yeah. first in your country. I'm like, people yeah. really like watching this right now. I don't. I don't trust it. It's weird because I, I don't think The Alienist is a very popular show. But um, I confess, like I haven't seen much on social media, so I don't know. But. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like the kind of show that would be super, super popular. You know, like Stranger Things, like obviously not. Uh, Gekka, what is your interesting movie slash TV show? Um, I was thinking um, I'd talk about something that I didn't necessarily like. So um, this is a, a Netflix new movie. It came out, I think, on the 29th of October. Uh, it's called Holiday, and it stars Emma Roberts and oh. Luke Bracey. Luke Bracey is uh, Australian, basically a um, uh, budget Chris Hemsworth or something like that. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's an Australian guy who is really buff and blonde. It's like <laughs> there's no other option than to describe him. Sorry. <laughs> Um, so uh, basically, it's uh, about um, this thirty-something uh, woman who uh, works at home, so she doesn't really care, and she had like a bad breakup, 
and um, she's like fed up being single on holidays uh, because her parents and her sister and literally her brother and everyone is like, oh, you're single, like you should hook up with like, well, you should meet this dude and you should meet this dude and blah, 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 blah. So uh, she makes a deal with a stranger, aka the Australian guy, also who just had a really bad date on, on Christmas. And they make it um, packed that they would hang out every holiday so they don't have to be alone on holidays. So as a romance lover, um, this is basically a fake relationship type of thing, even though they don't yep. pretend to be in a relationship. But they do kind of fake uh, being together on these holidays not to feel alone, you know, like New Year's Eve and, and Valentine's Day and blah, blah, blah. So as an idea, I kind of liked it. This movie was so stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me so sad because it's. I think it's written by a woman, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, Tiffany Paulson. So the writer is a woman. And literally every female character only exists in the purpose of being in a relationship. or talking about mm-hmm. sex or talking about weight or how they look or or like they're they're so shallow and the movie like showcased like um the main characters so uh emma roberts uh relationship with her family like everybody was like oh you're still staying single like have you have you like why didn't you reply to this message blah 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 like they're trying to set her up so it like feels like let her be like why why is this like being single made into such a huge thing um I just, I did not understand it. Plus it dragged out so long. Like there's so many holidays during the year. So you can imagine how long it felt as a movie. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, my biggest, like, I just, I don't understand how the ideas are always like there and you don't need a lot of money to make like movies in like, in terms of like these types of like, no CGI and stuff. So like these kind of lifetime hallmark type movies, but at least kind of like try to write characters that aren't solely existing in the purpose of being with somebody or like Mm -hmm. not have families where she goes on Thanksgiving and rather than focus on anything else, they're like, oh, you look so lousy, and, and why are you still single? And like, oh, <laughs> like it, it's just it it makes me feel worse about myself, and that's not something I want to go uh, and watch uh, in in movies, in romance movies. Romance movies should make me feel good about myself, or at least try to uh, install hope or like something in, yeah. in, in a person, rather than make it feel like you being single, you're basically a loser by everybody yeah. but yeah uh, just, uh, I just I I don't know why I watch them I know I will hate them but I still do and the yeah. acting acting is not the best but the Australian accent is very cute and very like it's cute that's the best thing about it nice. nice. wasn't nice. there like a Noah Centennial movie also where they I did not watch face. that one I, I think I drew a line somewhere <laughs> I, I usually watch them right away so I w- won't see any reviews uh, because yeah. I know if I see a review that it's really bad I will never watch it and I never got it but yeah 
I haven't I haven't even seen it like it wasn't recommended to me on Netflix. Oh well Netflix so. knows. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's and, and uh, Kristen Cherowek or how do you say her name? Cher Kristen Oh Pushing Daisies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she she is also in it. Um Kristen yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Her character is awful as well. Like literally the worst. <sighs> so so much waiting yeah. people. That's the issue with these Netflix movies and there are a lot of them. A yeah. lot of bad movies on Netflix. I was just watching one this afternoon, like kind of it was in the background. But uh I I'm pretty sure it's one of the new ones for for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yes, already November first, uh, and I think it stars the guy from Mean Girls. Pretty sure it's him. So, but that happens a lot with these movies because you see all these actors uh, that had like one role. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and that's where they end up. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's yeah. sad. <laughs> sad. It is sad. It is a bit sad because these are really bad movies. But they take it takes a lot to to make them. It still costs I mean, quite a bit of money. So it, I'm just like, imagine the waste. You know. What no, I'm thinking, I watched like ten minutes of a like a. I think it was Hallmark, like mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Christmas on it's Ice like, or something. And I was thinking, oh, yeah. ice skating. I love ice skating and books and stuff. Maybe I love this movie. I mm. almost threw up. It was so cringy. It was so bad. It was like, it was like bold and beautiful. You know the show. This like mm-hmm. it, it was just they, they were just existing on screen. They were not doing anything else. Just, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should watch bad Hallmark movies. Oh, we just watch Hallmark movies for Valentine's Day. Yeah, or Christmas because there's like a lot of them. Oh yeah. Oh. <sighs> I don't know, guys. I mean, like now, I feel like life is too short to like purposely watch really bad movies. <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> well, I, I like to torture myself, so you end up watching them when you're too lazy to. Yeah, like it's watch different. Right? Not on Netflix. Is, you know? Yeah, something is like you put it in the background or something. That's something else. But like to actually watch a bad movie and make yourself. Oh yeah. Um. Okay. So, but my movie that I want to talk yeah. about is uh, like, I mean, it's it's it could be considered by some like a bad movie. Like, it's shot in a very low budget sense, um, and it has like, in technical terms, really atrocious actors. Uh, but it's it's meant to do that. So my movie is Pink Flamingos by John Waters, which has been on my watch list for years and years now. Um, mm-hmm. And I finally got it out to it. Uh, it's the one. It's like maybe the grossest movie I've seen, but it's also really funny. Um, so it's about. Uh, the main character in it is uh, this drag queen called Divine who has been named the filthiest person alive. And she lives with her, like, her son, 
her grown son who's like sort of like a sexual deviant and her mother who's obsessed with eating eggs and lives in a like a playpen and this woman called Candy and then there are these two people this couple called the Marbles who hate her because they think they are the filthiest people alive um because this they run this like a uh, ring in which they kidnap women and then their servant who may or may not be gay like impregnates them and then they uh they sell the babies to lesbian couples and they also <laughs> they also like push like heroin on the side and also the husband is like a serial uh like like a public flasher in which he literally ties a sausage to the end of his dick and flashes women and they show that um so it's it's insane it but it's also like so funny cuz like you know like literally like there are lines like i love you more than my hair color and because like the marbles like the the wife she has like bright orange hair and the guy has bright blue hair also they have bright orange pubes and bright blue pubes so uh right. like like okay and when they're professing their love to each other they're just like i love you more than my hair color okay so um and there is stuff like you know like i can't like i don't remember this is the only line that i remember exactly cuz this is so funny But it's not like people like people getting like sentenced to death for assholery, okay? And um, there and it's also like so gross. Like there is like a very like a salty sex scene involving a chicken. There is literal like like butthole, like the butt a close up of a butthole, okay? Mm. And this was when I was eating food. somehow uh, I, in my life like 99% of like the pu- of puke scenes i've seen in movies movies and tv shows have somehow been always when i'm eating something um uh, this is the <laughs> first time it was a butthole and like, i had to stop and i had to like start something else cuz i'm like i can't i can't eat watching this um but and then there is like cannibalism like casual cannibalism and weird incest but uh, like the, but the so the point of this movie it's it's like the counter culture movie the point of this movie and it's supposed to like it's hailed by many as like maybe the best like the most important queer movie ever made is that like it basically like taking whatever we think of as norms and conventions and completely like putting it on its head while also but it's mm-hmm. obviously like a joke it's like taking it to an extreme and like the the couple the evil couple is i mean it also like because they are sort of jealous of divine because of her queerness so they want the filthy the filthiness is sort of like uh like a uh, an innuendo for the or like not an innuendo the opposite of an innuendo for the queer like a stand in for the queerness but it's also like but like you know like people had an issue that like you know like like queer people had an issue ki this is how general public sees us but this is sort of like 
kind of like spitting it in their face. You know, that's like the approach of this film. But it mm. was, it was really funny. Like, it, it was absolutely disgusting. Um, and many, like, so many weird things happened. But it's also like just the dialogue and like the the way like they're all they're all like not very good actors, but the conviction with which they say all their ridiculous lines is hilarious. Um, so it was it was a good one. I really I really enjoyed it. I thought this was I thought I've not watched any other John Waters films, but I didn't realize that mm-hmm. Crybaby is by him, and I've seen Crybaby. But Crybaby is like his is like his most like. Like safe film, so uh, yeah, this is just like insane. <laughs> but it's Sounds so fun. I was just thinking I will eat ice cream in the evening and probably watch this movie because don't do that it. That would probably make my don't ice cream eat. Don't eat. That's, yeah, don't eat things. I watch as I wrote. Like I watched this, and then the next day I watched Audition, which is, I mean. I've never actually gagged watching a film. That was the first time I had like a serious gag reflex watching a film. Um, so <laughs> I was like, I really need to stop watching films that are making me gag. Uh, so, but it, they're both really good. But I wanted to talk about things with them boys. Yeah, don't eat. Just don't eat while watching it. Just like enjoy it otherwise. I don't know unless you were okay with it. I have issues. I've been scarred too many times. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I have no words. I don't know. <laughs> it is. It's it, I really didn't. I really didn't expect it to be this extreme. And also, like, yeah. so the, the the version that I saw, it ends with like um, it has like like special bits at the end so it's like John Waters is sort of showing a, a lot of scenes that won't, didn't make the cut and then it also has the original trailer from the film like that was released which has no scenes from the film it only has audience reactions so that's <laughs> really funny because there was one person and this came out in 72 okay so like you can imagine half the audience was probably high Okay, so it's like one guy comes and he's like better than cries and whispers, which was my favorite comment ever, especially about such a film. But uh, yeah, like I didn't like. So that's what a lot like like I mean, most of the audience loved it, and the ones that didn't were like, you know, they were just like, this is like absolutely disgusting. What the hell did I just watch? So I think it's it's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. So, um, so those were our interesting movies slash TV shows of the fortnight. Up next is our main discussion, which is Noir Vembo. So stay tuned for that. There's a long goodbye, and it happens every day. When some passerby uh, According to Britannica.com, film noir, or dark film in French, is a style of filmmaking characterized by such elements as cynical heroes, stark lighting effects, frequent views of flashbacks, intricate plots, and an underlying existentialist philosophy. I would personally add Femme Fatale's in here too. 
Ever since we started our podcast, we've been following November, a month dedicated to all things noir, which was started by Maria E. Gates. In our older noir November episodes, we looked at classic noirs, new noirs, noirs in different languages, etc. This year, we decided to take it a bit easy because it's 2020 and just go with whatever noir each of us wanted to watch, no strings attached. It's just some good old-fashioned, morally ambiguous heroes, sexy femfatas, dubious villains, and the corrupted heart of society stuff. So with that, let's start our noir member discussion. This time, let's start with our resident noir enthusiast, Ghetto. <laughs> I love that uh, sarcastic introduction. <laughs> so um, I don't know if uh, uh, others remember, but noir, uh, noir member. Uh, has been very hard for me because um, <laughs> um, I've I've been burned uh, many many times. Uh, this time I had the choice of choosing my own movie, and I basically went to Google, typed in noir, and like picked the first. I I, I think it was the second or third movie in someone's list. Um, so I ended up I ended up watching Body Heat which is a 1981 neo-noir erotic thriller film uh, written and directed by Lawrence Kazdan. Um, The name doesn't say anything to me, but apparently he he has done some good movies. Um, He wrote The Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark. He also wrote Return of the Jedi and and a lot of other movies, Mm -hmm. and recently also The Force Awakens and A Star Wars Story. So he's been around a lot. Uh, Body Heat was the first movie he ever directed uh, in 81. And it also had uh, two performances that were quite new, I would say. Um, Sorry? I I sneezed. Sorry. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Bless you. Bless you. Um, So it stars uh, William Hurt and Kathleen Turner. For uh, William Hurt, it was uh, his third uh, movie, basically. So his first movie was in, in 1980, and, and Body Heat was basically his second, third movie in uh, 1981. And for Kathleen Turner, who some of you might remember as uh, Chandler Bing's uh, father uh, in Friends, um, who actually became a woman, so a lot of uh, problematic things right there. Um, she um, had her first role in Body Heat um, mm-hmm. in 1981. Um, the movie is basically uh, takes place in uh, Florida during a heat wave. So it's really hot, guys. It's really hot. Everybody's sweating, uh, glistening. Everybody's wearing these very flowy clothes and, and, and basically just wet all the time because it's so hot. Um, and we have this main character. Why are you laughing? Because it's so 80s. I love it. <laughs> so we have this uh, local lawyer, Ned, uh, played by William Hurt. Um, and he meets this woman like literally he just walks up to her and he's like "Ooh, hot and then walks up to her and starts flirting and she's like i'm married (laughs) like we don't know they will get together like oh my god i'm married um basically they start um a an affair 
And at some point, um, oh yeah, and there's bodies and heat involved, basically, like like in the title. And at some point, she like tells him after they have had sex that oh my god that she's been thinking these awful ideas that it would be so easy if her husband is just dead which you know is a big no-no in terms of like i was like oh dude don't be so stupid he is that stupid by the way guys that's a spoiler here um he is like yeah we should kill him afterwards like i don't know and then well things things get a little complicated after that because of course that was her plan uh she wasn't stupid she was like well now now she's framing him and he's starting to like get it like he's like something's wrong yeah dude something is wrong you've been played sir but um he notices um uh something is uh, he's like and and she turns around and then she walks off, and then the. You just spoiled the movie. You forget the ending. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it. <laughs> I have to like have to stop it. But I have to like okay. I mean, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I will say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. I yeah. said spoiler alert. Like okay. an hour ago. <laughs> And then <laughs> you spoiled it again. <laughs> okay. But did you like this? Like I can't, I can't tell from the well, way you're talking. <laughs> and then uh, one of the characters here is also Mickey Rourke, by the way. Uh, yeah, I forgot to mention him. He's actually he has a really small role in this one he basically plays this lawyer guy's friend and i think this was also like one of his earlier roles i think mm-hmm. uh, before he uh went to boxing and basically uh ruined his face uh sadly yeah. um but yeah, yeah he's, really, really, he's really good in this one and the movie is in, inspired maybe you guys know uh 1944's psychological thriller film noir uh double Indemnity, yeah. M- yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. I, I was thinking of it the whole time because it's See, the well, way. Yeah. The way, yeah. The I was thinking you guys might know that one, yeah. The way she's introduced, it's so funny. Uh, even like, uh, I haven't finished it, but now I know what happens. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, like, uh, even in uh, audi- an audition, no, like, it's so interesting that these sort of like femme fatale type characters are always in white yeah and that that's why also i thought of double indemnity because even when she's introduced she's all in white it's very yeah i was thinking of um what's the famous movie where she uh spreads her legs open uh, yeah 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 yeah. basic instinct even i thought of that yeah exactly yeah 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 see that's she's also in white (laughs) but like um yeah. So, did I like this? I, I kind of spoiled the ending there. Um, <laughs> I, I I think part of uh, the reason I didn't like it was the fact that I saw the ending come a mile away. Like, literally, when he was, like, went up to her and she's like, I'm married. I was like, oh, well, she's she's up to something. Because um, I, I, I think I've seen 
like too many erotic thriller movies or like the concept is so it it's been so like common i think that mm. there's nothing surprising i would have been surprised if if her character would have run off with mickey rourke's character that would have been like what and the, like a different level of surprise but anyway i didn't like the um predictability of it but i did end up liking the movie in general um mm. Because I thought it was actually really fun, and there were some funny moments. Like uh, I'm not sure if if Nick already went to like got to that place, but there's a uh, place where he's been waiting outside her house like for hours, and he's like completely drenched and looks like horrible. And she's yeah. like, "Well, I'm gonna uh, pay you back the you know the weight and blah blah blah," and starts to go down on him. And then uh, her niece or whatever like, little child comes in, and and she's like, "Oh my god." Um, and then later on, when 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 she describes the man that she saw with her aunt or whatever, she she describes him as completely different, and you can see in his face like he's relieved but also disappointed because he's like, oh yeah, the dude was bald, and he was like, I'm not. <laughs> but um, there's like so many. Yeah, he is. But. but <laughs> Um, but but yeah, I think I kind of liked it. I'm I'm sorry. I'm getting so hot. I have to take my jumper off. Right? <laughs> Thinking about this movie, <laughs> it was so horny. So far, whatever I've seen, it's just like I mean, ridiculously horny. Like the whole time, one of the things that I was thinking is a heat wave. I would be too hot and bothered to have sex so much. <laughs> like, like, can you imagine the stickiness and the like? Uh, they're lying together on top of each other. I'm thinking it's too hot, guys. It's too hot. <laughs> but like, I don't know. But like, I think in in some ways it made like a really good um, atmosphere for the movie. Like everybody was like crazy from the heat you would think i don't think he would have uh, agreed to her plan it was winter i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah but i i did i'm sorry i don't know why i was like oh yeah she she dies and then she doesn't i'm sorry um <laughs> but like the movie doesn't have a lot of uh, other things going on okay yeah. Yeah, so it's like basically, it's basically this affair. These are the two characters. There's some law stuff there that doesn't really uh, play much um, into it, except that's how he finds out he has been played, basically. Uh, but there's not a lot of, yeah, a lot of other stuff, which I think in a sense is good because it doesn't, you know, make the movie too muddled. But it's almost two hours, guys. So, like, it could have been a lot shorter with what it had. But, yeah. That was okay. Uh, for for yeah. Kathleen Turner's first role, she was really good. True. That, there's a yeah, scene when they're in the bar and she's been ogled by the men and stuff and she's so bossy and she's owning it. I'm like, yeah, girl. Like, I was rooting for actually her character rather than the man. <laughs> Which I, I female empowerment. <laughs> right. Okay. 
I feel like that's not like that happens though. I think I think anyone who watched something like Double Indemnity was also like like as much as like the guy was nice, but like it's always like the woman who yeah yeah you root for the girl yeah I I don't know I've I've always been very intrigued by this film. I'm thinking. I was thinking. I'm looking at the poster, um, and I'm thinking it's all about smoking. They did smoke a lot in that movie. Oh, the eighties. I like the way it it started. Mm-hmm. It starts very interestingly, because it's all like yeah. smoke, and you're like you're like oh, it's eighties. Please stop. But it's actually like a ha- it's like smoke from a house burning. So it's yeah. Cool. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, because it okay. seems really cheesy and it has like those like that typical 80s like sexy music happening, like jazzy, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But but it's it's it actually like subverts it, which is good. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. But but are you liking it so far? Yeah. Like I mean, like again, like I'm not. I can see it's very obvious what is going to happen and okay. I don't know like I feel like a, like if I mean this is obviously taken from Double Indemnity so maybe like a lot of movies are stolen from Double Indemnity a lot of movies are stolen from this because it just seems mm-hmm. like something that I've seen not like yeah, this point yeah. and not in like this sort of a, like a setting but it's something like I've seen I mean, it's it's completely when there is a woman who's like, "Oh, I'm married," and starts an affair. You kind of know where it's gonna go. Yeah. Like I think, the, like that's why it was so predictable. But at the same time, it wasn't <coughs> as bad as I me mean, to get like bored by it because the performances are really good and they are kind of like little tiny nuances that are different. Mm-hmm. But um. But yeah, it does feel like it's been done. Even the new, uh, she's Blake Lively and uh, Anna Kendrick movie. Yeah. Yes. There's yes. also double identity over there. So like, there are like bits and pieces from different movies that feel very familiar in this one as well. So okay, I found okay. really funny that like at one point he was wearing like a red striped polo shirt, and I'm like. No noir hero has ever worn this. Like this is the weirdest thing for a noir hero to ever wear. <laughs> <laughs> it was just very strange. Um, okay. So I will talk about my film next, which uh I was a little confused. I I I thought since I knew that Getter is was doing a neo noir and uh, Sophia is doing a classic noir. I thought maybe I will try to do uh, something in a different language, but uh, and my choice was Le Cirque, Le Cirque Rouge, my whatever the Red Circle. Uh, but when I like it, when you read the the short summary, at no point does the word noir come. Uh, so I was like, in a, that maybe this is this won't be an exact noir. And my other option was Long Goodbye, which is mm-hmm. based on a Raymond Chandler novel uh, with the character of Philip Marlowe, written by Lee Brackett, who wrote The Big Sleeve, which is also based on a Raymond Chandler novel and starring Philip Marlowe, starring 
in that movie it was humphrey bogart as philip marlowe and humphrey bogart is arguably the most famous noir actor um and in this philip marlowe is played by elliot gold who to me is like apologies to classic or even like i mean i don't know a 70s classic like semi classic film fans uh is like mostly the oceans films that's mm-hmm. where i what mm-hmm. i think of when i think mm-hmm. of elliot gold i have watched mash a very long time ago but even in that yeah. when i was watching it i was like he he the, the old guy from oceans the oceans films <clears throat> so i didn't i haven't really seen much of him when he was younger uh so okay first let me just quickly tell what the film is about it's a 1973 film directed by Robert Altman uh and it was written by Lee Brackett as i said who had also written the big sleep and she wrote like things like Rio Bravo and stuff like that and it's uh it's she based she like she it the the book is in set in the 70s but she wrote it as if it was set in the 70s and it's about mm-hmm. this private investigator Philip Marlowe who's uh one night he uh his a friend of his called Ted Terry Lennox comes to him and he asks him to like tr- drive him to Tijuana and like basically like he doesn't question him because he's his best friend and when he comes back the the like police come to his house and they say that he has like Teddy has killed his wife and he's fled so they arrest him mm-hmm. and they keep him in in custody and when then they take him out and he's like why have you released me after 3 days what has happened and they say that Terry has been found dead in uh in a different in in some other i forget the name but like a different city in mexico um and he finds it very weird because according to him Terry could have never like he used to fight with his wife but he could have never killed his wife and someone has clearly killed Terry and then um he gets called for a case by this like wealthy wife of a of a writer um her name is Irene Wade and the writer he has like these drinking bouts so she can't find him like he's almost like Hemingway-esque like very big very burly very like out of control when drunk so she hires him to look for him hires Philip Marlowe to look for this guy and at the same time there is like this sort of like a like an underworld don type of a person called Marty Augustine who like who used to work who Terry was involved with who comes to Marlo and asks him for like the money that Terry apparently owed uh this one and he thinks that like 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 Marlo has some knowledge of this uh so that is like the basic thing the thing about this movie is it's so chill i have never seen a more chill noir film it's just chill and a lot of it is elliot gold i didn't know he was this character the closest person i can think of today is someone like brad pitt because he's just like he's you know he has like this aura of cool he's just like it's literally it starts off with him his cat waking him up and him trying to feed the cat and he doesn't have the cat's favorite brand of cat food so he makes like what i think is like 
yogurt mixed with egg sprinkled with salt using like a pie knife but the mm-hmm. cat refuses to eat that and it's 3 a.m and he lives across like this like apartment of like hippie girls who are like nude half the time but he's like the whole time he's just sort of murmuring to himself and he mm-hmm. goes to like the supermarket and he and he just like buys cat food and he, he couldn't find the exact brand of the cat food that the cat likes so he tries to fool the cat by changing the tin <laughs> like he removes the cat food from one tin and puts it in another and tries to fool his own cat okay and he's just like murmuring throughout it and it's just it's just it's just cool i don't know he just has like such a weird offbeat persona and i can't imagine it like you know when you think exactly when you think when i think of noir i think of someone like boga you know someone who has like a slightly like a troubled thing a, a like mm-hmm. very tight kind of uptight trouble like yes they're cynical but you know they have like that yeah. strong code so they, nothing like gets across and this guy he's just like you know like augustine is coming and he's just like cracking jokes and there's like a whole bit where he uh, when he like with the the drunk writer guy when they're just sitting on the beach and they're just talking and i'm like what is happening like why is it so so calm um but that's like <laughs> the the what's what he had like wanted like so the whole point of this film is so in the whole movie uh malo is the only guy who's smoking all the time because and everyone else is like it's like 70s la so but it's already like an la thing like you know everyone is like health conscious and beautiful and living in these like villas and stuff like that and he's sort of like a almost like a 50s guy in this world where you know like you can sort of see the morals crumbling but i like the fact that it wasn't so in your face until like mm-hmm. later in the film and and i i got, like he's so likable to me he almost felt like it almost felt like he didn't know what was going on but then you know like once in a while you realize that this is an intelligent person who observes a lot more than he lets on um and i just i found i just found, i found him really hot that's basically what it was i was just watching it and I, and his like his voice and his murmuring was just kind of hot and i was just like i don't know what is happening but yeah it was i just found the movie really cool it was like it mm. was it was you know somewhere and it like it also had that 70s feel too another very interesting thing is like there are only two songs in this movie one of which is called the long goodbye it's by uh john williams and what he did was like he used that same song throughout in like different musical uh like settings like it's the song playing in the supermarket it's the song playing in like a bar it's the song playing in the radio mm-hmm. it's the song playing That's in a party so yeah it is it's very cool so it's just like and it's like you know like um i for me robert altman um I've sort of struggled with this film because he's he's so like he's he references so much of like older american cinema that I still I'm not that strong with um and like you know like so much of his films are in in reaction or in interpretation of that 
um so like mm-hmm. i didn't fully like mckeever mrs miller that much i like i like three women but it was very weird for me i like his newer films i like things like the player i like shortcuts i love gosford park um even though that's not very american um but this one i just i i got it like maybe cuz it's been some a while since i've watched one of his films maybe i was too young to understand maybe i needed to give myself time to like understand his references but i mm-hmm. finally like sort of got where he was at and it was i thought it was very enjoyable and very weird and a very interesting take and elliot gold was amazing and i now want to watch all of his like 70s films cuz i'm sad, i have like a sudden like crush on him so i just like it was it was very enjoyable for me okay yeah that sounds really interesting yeah yeah that sounds yeah mm-hmm. i just um, can't get over how hot i found it. <laughs> 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 um, yeah it also yeah, have I, you guys watched under the silver lake Uh right right so uh, it's under the silver lake like basically it starts off referencing long goodbye but i think under the silver lake was so like deliberately referencey mm. and like showy like oh look i am referencing this here oh look i am so deep and this one yeah. was just so relaxed with it that mm. you know like the effect was Yeah it was it I mean you know like it obviously it was all deliberate it's literally written by a the person who made the almost made the mold for it so it's very interesting that she's the one to sort of break it like um Altman had been to, like the people had asked him to make this film before and he had refused because he's like any the only person anyone will ever think of for Philip Marlowe is Humphrey Bogart and that's already happened so I don't want to do that again but then he read the script yeah. and it has i'm not going to spoil the ending because it was the ending that sort of clinched it for him and he was okay. like i'll do this as long as the ending remains the same and no one ever touches the ending so it was it was very cool. it was very interesting because it's like that's that's for, that's what where like masters sort of come in right that they can like change the game but make it look effortless hmm. yes yeah Under the Silver yeah. Lake was awful. I yeah, did not yeah. understand anything what was happening. I was like I was watching the movie and thinking to myself, why? Like yeah. everything that was happening, I did not understand. Like, uh, uh I don't get it. But yeah. Well, now I'm picturing Brad Pitt <laughs> in film noir. Yeah. <laughs> he, he the only now yeah. he's the only person who has that like aura. that cool relaxed yeah. yeah but at the same yeah. time like a man like you know there is like an, yeah. a very like very 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 soft undercurrent of like violence if violence is needed i mean now i'm thinking of brad pitt eating well yeah of course <laughs> just just that, eating oh yeah but that that that, that sounds really cool I wouldn't think when you started describing it I yeah. I I thought maybe you didn't like it. Uh-huh. Uh like a 70s yeah, LA like take on noir. Yeah. But uh it sounds really interesting. I'm intrigued. 
Are you saying it's definitely better than Under the Silver Lake? Yeah. All right, then it's, it's it doesn't then we're... it doesn't try. It has it's just one story. It doesn't try to like yeah. unnecessarily fuck with your head. You know? Yeah. It almost like it's I found it like almost calming, which is like a weird <laughs> feeling to because especially when they're like casually chatting and like and his character he was so likable I've never seen such a likable noir hero he was just so likable from like the moment he starts like because of the cat you know it's yeah he's just so likable it was fun okay (laughs) um okay so now we go on to Sophia Sophia what is your film so yeah, so my movie is very, very noir, as you said. Um, and it's amazing how I actually never saw this film before because I went through like a whole list of classics and you guys know I really, I'm really into the 40s and 50s. And so this is such a huge film from that era, but it's kind of, it's also kind of cool to watch it for the first time because I don't think that happens a lot now when you, when you've watched so many old movies, you don't, there's not a lot of great old movies left to watch for the first time. Okay. So, I had, right? So I had a lot of fun because that's a great feeling that I missed. And um, the movie is The Third Man. So very, very, very well-known, very, very. Um, and it's, it's uh, directed by Carol Reed and I haven't seen anything else from him. This is a British film. Um, so I can't really... Sp- to like his direction style if it's in line with what he usually does because I haven't seen anything else from him um, but it stars an absolute smashing trio of actors I was so entertained <laughs> watching this film so in the lead role it's it's Joseph Cotton which is like a huge great lovable actor from that time and he plays an American novelist uh, who flies to uh, Vienna to stay with his friend uh, and it's post-war Vienna too so which it has like a really sarcastic funny um, voiceover in the beginning about that <laughs> so it's just and the, 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 um, the city itself becomes a bit of a character because of how it looked uh, in the post-war and He's staying with a friend, Harry, Harry Lyme, but when he arrives, he realizes that he died. And when he starts to know a little bit more about how he died, which was supposedly an accident, he starts to suspect that it was actually a murder. And so, hence the noir thing. So he's not a detective, but he kind of becomes a detective in the process. And in the whole thing, he falls in love with... Uh, his friends Harry, Harry's mistress, who is played by Alida Valley, and then the the police from the British that was there because Vienna in this movie was like occupied by three nations. Um, he is played by Trevor Howard, which we know very well from Brief Encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, so what? Like- it's him. I haven't. Yeah, I, it's him. I saw this film before <laughs> Brief Encounter. I genuinely don't remember. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, I'm happy that I watched it later yeah. because I know these actors. Yeah, 
like it's him you gotta watch it again yeah. it's him it's so mesmerizing to watch him he's such a good actor too yeah. and that's not the only connection because the cinematographer also is also the cinematographer of brief encounter ah. so yeah <laughs> uh so there's that and then orson wells is also in it um and the the girl i don't know i don't know if i said it but it's alita val so the, there's this just great cast it's the powerhouse of actors very very entertaining um the script is great it's very noir in just that it's a it's a british noir so i th I feel like it does have a bit of a difference um but it's just really well written great rhythm it's it's got that sarcasm dark humor those really great one-liners that they deliver um i don't know how they say oh yeah they said one which was like we should have dug d deeper than a grave you know just the, yeah those kind of which makes you know the movie yeah but <laughs> but it's just those kind of lines that it doesn't happen in real life and in just in noir movies it's so characteristic and they do it very well and then of course it looks really really good very odd it's got these really uh off balance angles like completely exaggerated but it works i don't know it works and the play of like light and shadow that's when i found that it was the same cinematographer brief encounter i was specifically looking for the cinematographer wow. because i really liked how it looked yeah. yeah and obviously it has a really famous sewer scene um very very well known for how it looks exactly so it just everything really comes together i found that There are some noir films that are a little bit harder for me to watch, you know, with the ones with Humphrey Bogart, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Such a sacrilegious thing to say, but it is true. But this one was so entertaining. Of course, like Joseph Cotton, you were saying that uh, it's in your film, the, the hero is yeah, very yeah, likable. Yeah. yeah, Joseph Cotton here is yeah. too, because he's really just like, he feels like a normal American person. Yeah who just landed there and suddenly he's caught in this thing where he's like, wait, my friend was murdered and no one believes me. <laughs> But it, it's, it's also very, you know, it's it does have a lot of tension, um, but he is so, like, good, it seems, that you just, you feel a certain warmth uh, watching him. It's And he the way he, he falls in love with... Uh, Alita Valley's character is also I wouldn't say it's a very almost innocent kind of falling in love it's very like true I don't know how to describe it but there's a certain just goodness about him that is a bit unlike other uh, very cynic mm -hmm. you know noir uh, protagonists yeah. so I just it was really entertaining and then Orson Welles very good The twist, uh, which I'm not going to yeah. spoil, unlike <laughs> other people on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, talking about me. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's the other, other getter. Well, you're a bit of cheat. <laughs> yeah. I did say spoiler alert one time. <laughs> I thought the spoiler was... You spoiled it like three times. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, the twist is 
it's not unpredictable, uh, I'd say. But it is like it didn't it didn't really cross my mind. I just feel like the best movies, you're so entertained, you're not thinking super hard, you know, about what might be the the answer. So all the time, because I didn't explain it, but um, so it's called the third man because he thinks there's a third man involved in the accident slash possible murder. So that's why it's called the third man. Um, And so the whole thing is like, who is the third man, you know, and it didn't really cross my mind. Um, And I really love how you get, you find out. I think that's the beauty, like. It is such yeah. a great scene when you find out who who was the third man. I, I I saw this like many years ago, and all I remember very properly from it is the twist and this like the way like the suicide scene yeah. and the ending, which yes. I think I remember it right. And I feel like the long goodbye pays homage to it with the way it ends too, just like the way it looks. But I I might be wrong. But okay. I, I just remember it being really striking. Um, and I will. Re- I need to. Re- the very last. Though yeah, the very last. I, it, as far as I remember, it's like rows of trees or something, right? And maybe like like. It, yeah, yeah. It's it's a cemetery. Yeah. So yeah, for even in Long Goodbye, it's like that. Like he's walk. Like someone is walking, and it's like a straight row of trees. Yeah. So I was like, nice. Nice. Yeah. That that scene was really good too. Yeah, 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 like I like how it ended. I I don't, I can't talk about it in detail. I but I, just, I, I, really I remember like, like I remember same. I think I had the same reaction. Like it was just so fun. It was just yeah. It was. I mean, I had watched uh, Double Indemnity. I'm not sure if I'd watched something like Sunset Boulevard, which is to me is also like extreme fun. Um, but you know, I had like a notion of how older movies were. And I feel like movies like Third Man and Casablanca and like Sunset Boulevard, they all of these films like sort of changed my mind to show like how good and how fun storytelling could be. Yes. 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 Exactly that. It is ridiculously entertaining. Like it's very easy to watch. You are, I think you'd like it together. (laughs) And it's not two hours long. It's less than that. Oh, yeah, it's one hour and fifty-five minutes. <laughs> one time, more like one, 40 one time you told me it was less than two hours, and it was one hour and fifty fifty-two minutes or something like that. And you're like, it was about less than two hours. Minutes is a lot. It really makes ten minutes is a long time. <laughs> no, but like, it's, I'm always scared it's movies that everybody really likes. I don't know why. I think there's always like the yeah. pressure of like, oh my god, everybody likes this movie a lot. Like it's like a hundred on on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff, and you watch it and you feel this pressure that I should like it now. I've been I've been really thinking about this because I genuinely like don't remember. Like I I tweeted about how like you know I had like my crazy cinephile face way too young because like you know like. Why was like something like The Godfather in my hundred favorite films list? Like, did I really like it that much, or did I like it because I was supposed to like it? You know, mm-hmm. I I, I feel like yeah. a lot of like my, my early like early cinephile phase is just 
me sort of convincing myself that this is a great movie that I should love. Um, and I, I, if I had the time, I would love to revisit all of it. But it's just, it's yeah. not going to happen. That that's what I was going to say. I think the I think as you grow now, maybe we feel a little bit more sure of what we like mm-hmm. and a little more confident to like hate on something that everyone loves, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. or and or the opposite. And so it would be interesting to revisit because I had that I had that phase really young too. Yeah. Like I was like fourteen, thirteen, uh the last time I saw The Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> And and uh, and the and the countless other films too. So um, revisiting them would be nice. I was definitely older than that. I think I I, I yeah. saw. Um, I was trying to do the Blind Spot series. I say trying to cause probably yeah. didn't finish that year. And I think I watched <laughs> The Godfather. I think I watched even Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. which mm, yeah, my God, after that movie, oh God. <laughs> See, I really like that. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't like Apocalypse Now. I did like, um, if we're talking about uh, 60s movies, or is it 70s? It's 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 70s. Um, I did like uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. And I did, and I did like Taxi Driver, but I saw Taxi Driver like last year or something. Cool. I really want to, like, because I remember, like, convincing myself that I liked Lawrence of Arabia when I'd seen it as a teenager and then I saw it like a few years later and I'm like so boring and stupid like I don't care for this film I don't care if people like it it's not for me Uh, I still haven't seen it I can't it's like I can't bring myself it's white the last time I saw it it was like I actually saw it in cinemas and I fell asleep Mm -hmm. For like 30 minutes but when I fell asleep they were in the desert when I woke up they were still in the desert I'm like nothing has happened <laughs> so and it's like it's literally like like now I mean I'm also going through this thing about like you know like again it's like the old like like so much of what is told to us that is a good film is told to us by a very specific type of a person which is usually a white yeah. straight man and yeah, I don't exactly. care yeah. for that, like that viewpoint anymore. So, like you know, like something like Lawrence of Arabia was like, lit- it's literally a white savior movie. He's the only person wearing all white throughout the film, saving people of color. Okay, so yeah. I can't like I. Ugh. So it's just a yeah. lot of it. So I think like Getter, like I think you can like, I mean you don't like I I understand the pressure, but like. I feel like now, you know, like as we grow older, we can like say like "fuck you" to like a lot more films. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Yeah, but I do, I do, I have found uh, like good movies among the classics that people like really love, like Twelve Angry Men or something. I really like. Yeah. But like, but like with with yeah with movies like Godfather or it has like some kind of like a. Um, I think it has for those people who really love it. I think it it has like a connection to something, and I don't feel connected to that. For me, mm-hmm. especially since I'm, uh, 
since I grew up with Disney, basically, or like, or like really lighthearted movies, even for me, like watching, I don't know, uh, Fincher's or, or, or uh, Christopher Nolan's movies is an upgrade. Like, I don't need to go back to classics because considering what I watched as a teenager and you were like 14, 15 watching Godfather and stuff like that. I was like, oh, I was probably watching uh, Parent Trap. Um, what else Lindsay Lohan did? Um, a Cinderella Man with Hilary Duff and stuff like that. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. so I, I've already grown as a person. Yeah. I don't need it's true I get it it's different though like for me like my parents still watch like the shittiest Bollywood movies that I grew up watching which I used to love even like last like maybe two weeks ago they were watching this one film which as a kid I used to love but as I've grown older I've realized it's like horribly sexist like it's not even saying how badly sexist it is okay um so like it just it's oh like you know it's not that like it was like i think for some some of like for me at least it was like a like a fight to like be different <laughs> like i will watch mm. all this stuff because this is not yeah. what everyone else around me is watching so but then yeah. but then again when, when you but i think when you start off into this journey you are very influenced by what everyone else says is a good movie yeah yeah so it, that's it why comes, yeah, I come back to my Netflix movie. Like I will try to watch it as soon as possible without reviews, because yeah. that that's when I feel like my opinion is my opinion rather than it's influenced by these people who are saying this is bad or this is good. Like yeah. yes, it's it's really easy to be influenced, and and those people who usually say these things, I respect them. Like I'm not saying yeah, like I'm not yeah. It's like not not saying that their opinion is wrong, but. Exactly, it's very human to be influenced by the people you respect and you like and you you consider as friends and people. But it's so uh, it's so funny because you 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 are telling oh this is a good movie and I will watch it and I will still be like oh I hated it. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I really I tried. No, I said that like genuinely, just thinking that it's it's more entertaining than usual. It was just in that sense. Like, I, I don't think you'd fall asleep. Yeah, it's very... It, I think it's... This is like high bar for noir. Yeah. It comes I, it's honestly closer to... You said 12 Angry Men. I think it's honestly closer to something like yeah. the 12 Angry Men because, like, the dialogue is still, like, really fresh in a way. Like, it's not mm. boring. It's yeah. And it's not, like, long... As far as I remember, it's not, like, long silences and this and that. It's very, like... Yeah. No, 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 no. You know, and those things are like easier to follow. Fast paced. Yeah. So yeah, I will. I will try. I will see what happens. Uh, there are so many new movies coming on. Yeah. It's very difficult. Why let's up. not ever let's not waste time watching bad movies on purpose. No, no, but I like I like watching bad movies because if you don't watch bad movies, how can you be sure what's good? Yeah, <laughs> that's my yeah. argument. I'm saying, like, I'm, saying, I'm saying if you know, like, like you know, you know that a Hallmark movie is not good. That. but in, yeah sometimes you want some brainless thing just true to- uh but also i want to i kind of want to like 
someday maybe find like a way to improve the romance genre in movies because how can it be so bad for so many years in a row i don't know <laughs> something good has to happen anyway yes yes i i I, th- i think both of your movies sound as if i will like them and they sound promising yeah. so maybe in 2021 yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and you can also uh, watch uh, the movie I spoiled because uh, the spoilers don't matter because I predicted the ending right away. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, so uh, now we took like this whole detour. So let's. Uh, I mean, I had a couple of questions for you guys to prepare for this November thing since we did do like a more like a free flowing sort of episode um so uh first question is uh what do you guys think is the appeal of noir and i like you're both excellent people to ask since getter usually doesn't like it but like <laughs> i mean i want to know if you can see the reason why others appreciate it and sophia who's very much the target audience So like like um I guess get to you go first. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's very hard. I think because I haven't seen so many noir movies, it would be very hard for me to pinpoint it uh, why people like it, what it's it's appeal. But I would say um noir's appeal is it's character driven dialogue and combination of beautiful shots yeah because i feel like a lot of the noir movies that i have seen are very visually yeah. driven which is basically every mm-hmm. other movie but but like in a different way and they usually which i don't necessarily like about noir is they're very slow paced and they allow you to think with the character but i feel like my mind uh, for me personally my mind goes 100 miles per hour so for me noir is a bit too slow and i'm a, yeah, yeah but i feel like for 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 its appeal it doesn't rush like a lot of like action movies nowadays rush or thriller movies like there's always action and stuff happening it's it's kind of like allows you to think with the movie rather than just be in it and then quickly into the next scene or something so that's that's a good that's a good quote like <laughs> thinking with the character no like honestly i was yeah. like yeah that's it we are in the mind of the protagonist yeah. that is true <laughs> and it's and it's yeah. not and it's like that's... and it's fun and like i mean your colleague this slow and like a best turn where you have to sit and watch you know tumbleweeds go by okay that's idea i know i like i like yeah the true all of that is really true and really well said ghetto you got it yay um and so sophia what what do you think okay uh well get, like you said get her she it all everything is true it's like noir really it just has everything um you get like <laughs> you get like a, a really good cinematography that's true 
and you get generally really great dialogue that's also very true and then for me there's usually this just combined i just like the overall atmosphere of these films where it combines thrillers with some kind of twisted doomed romance like it's going nowhere or it's gonna take a lot of hurt to get mm-hmm. there uh and probably one of them is going to die <laughs> but it just it feels i just i love like you know notorious yeah. is like my all-time favorite yeah. film so for me that's like just it's it just encompasses all of this in one genre and i love also what you said about um being in the mind like thinking with the character because that's true and that's also like in the midst of it all you usually every time you've got a bit of a mystery with a lot of tension and just you're it's a great ride i don't know i just i like i like watching noir yeah that that wasn't a very intellectual <laughs> finale I like watching that. I, yeah, I think, <laughs> but you know what yeah, I mean. Like it's just it's so enjoyable. Yeah, uh, I feel like it's very and it usually allows great liberty yeah. with how it looks. True. I feel like it's maybe one of the most like cinematic genres because, yeah. um, like obviously, like as we said, the cinematography is very like. I mean, I don't know. There are that if there are that many genres in which. Cinematography is literally like one of the key elements of the genre. You know, like when I studied mm-hmm. film, you know, noir was low key lighting. Like that is like one of the things, and it's also it's such a like a classic, almost like sense of like heroes and heroines because it's like the men are like good but like conflicted, but still like good, mm-hmm. and the women are like sexy and mysterious. It's so cinematic, and it's kind of sad that like we don't get more of it. But at the same time, like there, as like as we all just we sort of guessed what like body heat is about. Like to make a new noir work now, you have to like really like do something innovative with it. Like something like I mean, Drive is a new noir. I know like Getter doesn't like it, but you know <laughs> the. I mean, just saying like I know you don't like it, but the reason why people enjoyed it is because it gave like this sort of like you know like modern synth yeah. vibe to it. Mm-hmm. So that's why it works. So I wish I wish uh uh this leading on to our next question, which who is a director you think should make a, a modern day director who you think should tackle a noir movie next? And uh, Sophie, I'll go with you this time. Okay. Um I'm really like I'm usually not good at this kind of question. <laughs> like I just want to say yeah. that, but immediately when you said that and I know I don't know if it's because I was watching The Alienist and it's like the executive producer and he wrote some stuff. But I thought of Fukunaga uh-huh. because he's done yeah, he's done so little mm-hmm. uh yet. I feel like he's a, I don't know how I like him so much when I've really only seen like one movie and then he did True Detective and he did um a few episodes of he wrote a few episodes of The Alienist and he he was the executive producer there and obviously he did the new James Bond but no one's seen mm-hmm. that um so i just feel like he's really great with atmospheres yeah. that's why i feel like he has the sensitivity to do it um and he's shown kind of the that 
that sensitivity with Jane Eyre, if you want, and also a bit of the darkness with like True Detective, and he can delve into the dark stuff. So I just he was just the first one that came to mind, and I just st- stayed with it. And then I feel like from a cinematography point of view kind of style i feel like tom ford would also be good mm-hmm. just kind of giving it that shine uh without being too i mean he's a bit over the top yeah. to be honest yeah, yeah. like like very elegant <laughs> but yeah he would be maybe in his hands it would be a bit cheesy i don't know Uh, but Fukunaga definitely I would love to see more from him I just want him to do more stuff (laughs) and I think I think he he could do it I think he could do it he's got the darkness and the sexy and the heartache and the really good eye for what looks good so I feel like he could do it and Getter do you have any director you would like no I was I was thinking about it and and then I kind of realized that that would be like the easiest pick ever because I, the first person I thought of was Fincher, but his style is already very noir-like yeah. and he's very influenced by the genre yeah. anyway. So that feels like a very uh, easy, you know, jump yeah. to take on, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because he's very close to it, which then I was starting to think that that's interesting because... I like Fincher a lot. Like I like most of his movies, or if, if, if maybe even all of them. I I don't think I've seen Alien three, uh, but, but like, but like mm. I I like all of his movies, and he's very close to noir. So he's doing something, uh, adding to noir that I really like. While I don't necessarily like noir that much, but anyway, I thought that was too easy. So then I was thinking <laughs> that that would be too easy for me. And then I was thinking, do I want to go like um, um, noir slash horror mm-hmm. and pick Ari Aster, who did uh, Hereditary and Midsummer? Oh. He has a very interesting visual uh, eye. Yeah. And Hereditary and Midsummer yeah. are very different in uh, area. One is very bright and the other is very dark. Yeah. And they're very True. different um, uh, in, in terms of tone as well. I feel like Hereditary closer to horror, while Midsummer is, I don't know what that is. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is something very. And he also has uh, female um, uh, characters a lot in his movies. And he only has made two movies. So I feel mm-hmm. like he still isn't definitely going into a very like direct horror genre way yeah. I feel like, mm. because it, it, he feels like the kind of director who can uh, still you know go somewhere so then I was thinking you know like noir or thriller kind of dark yeah. way that that he would kind of work but then I was um, also thinking of Greta Gerwig because I was thinking that she's doing like this bright movies, but like a female director for a noir movie with a female fatale, that would be interesting as like a contrast. I yeah. I, I, I also I thought of her, but she's just I don't know. She's so happy, and I want. Yeah, to yeah. I was thinking too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and stuff like, and now she's making Barbie. Like, this, yeah, she's like, doing too like bubbly, but but yeah, Ari Aster was like my. Yeah, Ari Aster's great. Yeah. That would be so. Cool. 
I wish I want to see more of his movies. Like faster, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh. So I I I realized I hadn't thought of an answer, so I was quickly thinking of one. You guys are talking. Um, and uh, I was so I. So among female directors, I think I mean someone like Lynn Ramsey has yeah. made already like a you were never really here, which you can arguably say is is like new like a new noir. Um, someone like maybe mm-hmm. Andrea Arnold. I re I recently watched Red Road, and she too has mm-hmm. like a great grasp on like atmosphere and sort of like very like morally ambiguous characters. Mm. Um. So she could be really good. Then I was just thinking, I don't know how good he would be, um, uh, but like I mean, I I have I have not watched his show, but I have loved everything that Damon Chazelle has made. And then I was like, you know, like like jazz music and noir goes together. So like maybe he could have he be happy with that. Um, and also mm-hmm. someone like maybe like Jordan Peele, who is like you know like he he has such a strong grasp of like film history. I think. Mm-hmm. that and yeah. but and, and yes. but like i don't i can't think of like if i think about it i can't really think of a noir movie with like a black protagonist mm. mm. you know um i'm sure there is like now yeah. i'm drawing a complete blank so like if he can like mold this like genre into that and it could i mean if it's in black and white it can look like freaking gorgeous so um True. Uh, like you know, these they could be there. There is a good like there are like good up and coming directors I think who can take it. Someone like Ryan Johnson has already made he made Brick, which I did not like, but I also fell asleep while watching that once. <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It sounds good. I would. I would have loved to see like a new. Well done, noir. But I feel like it has to, in a way, stay away from the very classic mm-hmm. noir mm-hmm. because it just feels fake yeah. today. Does that make sense yeah. to you? Yeah. No, but like I, I, I get what you say. But having watched something like a Lovecraft Country, uh, recently, I would really like if someone really. Put, like they do the work, you know. Like it has to be something like, uh, the long goodbye, where you, you don't you don't do it like half-assedly, or you don't do it just to like for show. You like really take the genre and mold it to the story that you're trying to tell. So hmm. that would that can be like that's why I said someone like Jordan Peele can be interesting. Like or like you know like I mean any and there are a lot of like I haven't seen. I haven't seen Queen and Slims, but like, like who knows? Like maybe Melanie Matsukas. I hope I'm not. Or I read Marano or someone like that. You know who could do it. Anyway, so this is our noir episode. That is the end of it. It went a little bit over the pace, but we wanted it chill this time. So um, that's 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 twenty twenty for you. Okay. Um, do you yeah. guys have any plugs? I have a plug. Ooh. I thought about um, mentioning this movie before, but then I didn't have a chance to see it, so I was thinking a plug. Um, so, with the uh, recent passing of uh, Sir 
uh, Sean Connery, um, our beloved mm. Scottish actor. Um, I rewatched The Rock the other day, and watching it, uh, I wasn't as sad maybe as I thought I would be because he had a really long career and he he you know retired ages ago basically, um, but. I was just reminded of how charming he was on screen. Like he he was so effortless that he didn't even have to do like much and he didn't have to be like this like give an Oscar worthy performance, but you just simply liked it. So yeah. I would plug his um not last performance because the last one was in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and I know how that movie is just nobody likes it except me apparently. I, I used to love it as a kid. I loved it as a kid. I still love that movie. I know it's not that good, but I love it. I don't know why. Oh, but um, it's the one before that. So in 2000, he made a movie, Finding Forrester. And its uh, director is Gus Van Sant. And... I remember watching this, so I was pretty young when I saw it, so I was, I think, 12, 13, uh, around that time it already had come out, and um, I've watched it over the years about 10 or more times, um, because I really like this movie and what it represents, which is basically... Um, just you know, an old man and a young <laughs> young man connecting over writing, and it's so simple and it's so easy and it's over two hours, but I never get bored during it, which is completely new experience to me. Um, so in, I I'm sure everybody has already seen it, but if you haven't, it's one of my favorite performances by Sean Connery, despite the fact that he is amazing in The Rock. Um. <laughs> When uh, when Nick was talking about like he's so handsome in the movie like he's so hot I was thinking of Sean Connery in The Rock and thinking he's hot in there too. Yeah. <laughs> like I love The Rock. Yeah, it's 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 so typical action, but it's it's the best. And and Finding Forrester is also amazing. And um, and yeah, um, thank you, uh, Sean Connery. Yeah. Nice. It's- he was born. I sh- I share my birthday with him. She used to be like four feet, like four feet oh. But yeah, it is sad. I will. I I haven't watched it. It sounds nice. I'll watch it. It's a really lovely. It has it has questions of racism and and it's a very I think like a very uh, culturally and society worthy movie. But it's like under the radar basically. Like nobody mm-hmm. really talks about it, which is strange. Busta um, Rhymes is in it. It's just so wow. Good. Now I will watch it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, Sophia, do you have a plug? I'm plugging, I'm plugging Getter's return to Instagram. Yeah. Okay. I have a plug. Um, I saw, I mean, it was in like the best music videos of the last decade. List, like I think came out last year. But I was recently going through like these lists, and um, I have no, I somehow have missed this video. But I mean, I'm not the biggest. I'm I'm not. I don't really know this band that much. That's why maybe I missed it. So there's a music video for LCD Sound System. Um, their song called "Oh Baby," which is directed by Ryan Johnson, hmm. of you know the Breaking oh. Bad and Last Jedi fame. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and it stars uh, Sissy Spacek and and David Strathairn. Um, and you guys should watch the video. It's it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. I have been watching it like the whole week. I may have cried in it, but you guys watch it. Um, it's it's really like wonderful and I keep me and like I've I mean whatever I've heard from my series sound system I love and I don't know why I haven't like fully given them the time I think that they're going to be the next fan I'm going to like fully listen to um because there was like um mm-hmm. if anyone watched you're the worst there was a, one of the best episodes was called LCD sound system so um just i i whatever i've heard from them i really do enjoy their music and the song and the studio is absolutely incredible and i just discovered it and i like it's okay i mean just discovering it just it felt like a nice moment um so that is my plug for this episode so uh once again my name is nick and i my blog is beignormalgene.com even though i don't really blog and you can find me on Twitter at Nikhat underscore Z. I'm I'm still blogging. I just put up Hidden Gems, uh, Amy Adams, so I watched three movies. So um, you can find my stuff on metaray.com. And on Twitter, you can find me at metaray. And on Instagram, uh, you can find me at Fangirls Hideout, where I'm trying to make my book content into more book, show, and movie content. So... It's gonna have a lot of yeah. lot of lot of things. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Um and I'm Sophia. I blog occasionally, not for a very long time, at returning videotapes. And you can find me on Twitter where I've tweeted maybe twice in the past year, uh, under returning videotapes, and then on Instagram under the same name. <laughs> Okay. Uh, all our episodes are free to download and listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts under Across the Universe Podcast. You can also find them on our blog across the universe podcast.wordpress.com and follow us on Facebook under facebook.com slash across the universe podcast. Feel free to share your own favorite noirs or any new noirs that you watched or anything on our discussion on any of these platforms. We'd love to hear what you have to say. You can also send any suggestions to our email, which is across the universe podcast at gmail.com. Uh, new episodes go up every other Tuesday. Uh, so stay tuned for our next episode, which is finally going to be Normal People, the TV show ah. and the book. Yes. Yeah. I know, like, it came out a long time ago, but we love, I mean, spoiler alert, we love this show at least. And we have been wanting to talk about it for a really long time. So stay tuned for that episode. Until then, bye. Bye. Bye.